Morning. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. I think we only have two more sermons out of Romans chapter 5. Today's and next week's. I think that's, I think that's it. Two more. And I know it sounds repetitive, but every week there's a, another nuance that comes out. What Paul is saying. As he speaks and helps us to understand why justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone is necessary. That's what he's driving at. That's what he's talking about. Why is it necessary? Why is Jesus the only means to eternal life? This is what Paul has been laying out uh, ever since Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who is being saved, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that one verse just really is everything that Paul is laying out up to this point. And here in chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, one of the th- I mean, he's, he's talking about us having peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And here in verse 12, he starts laying out that, look, here's why. Let me lay out the reasons why. It's only through Jesus. I'm so thankful it's not on the basis of what I do or what I think. Aren't you? Paul's arguing against from uh, from 116, and, and he moves on through, and he's arguing against a... Christ plus mentality of salvation through chapters 2 and 3 and 4 and even up until now. He's pushing against a Christ plus mentality of salvation. And I want you to know, that seems to be, the more I listen to uh, various people and different uh, people on uh, on TV and the internet, I don't have TV, but the internet, uh, YouTube, man, there's some goofballs out there. Y'all be careful who you listen to, all right? Uh, but uh, I, I want you to see that the, 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 the primary uh, gospel seems to be Jesus plus something. And the gospel is it isn't getting saved from sin but something that has caused you to be a victim. And I want you to know, Paul is reiterating the depth of sinfulness in all of these verses. He's arguing against Christ plus the ceremonial law. Christ plus circumcision. Christ plus works. Christ plus 
nationalism. Christ plus baptism. Christ plus perfectionism. If there's something that comes after, you can only be saved by Christ and shut it down. It's not true. By grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ alone. There's a reason the reformers went that way. Because that's what Scripture says. I want us to consider three things today. First of all, Adam's sin put us all in this predicament. Everyone. Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, Everyone is in the same predicament of sinfulness. I know this doesn't seem like a different point, but it is, and I hope that you'll see it that way. Adam's sin made us all sinners. Adam's sin made us all sinners. And then lastly, I want us to consider the contrast of Adam's disobedience with Christ's obedience. And particularly, focus on the hope that flows out of that. So we're looking at verses 18 and 19. And first, let us consider how Adam's sin put us all in the same predicament. In verse 18 it says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. I'm going to pause there. I really probably should have paused at the therefore. Because verse 18 is picking up where Paul left off in verse 12. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, therefore, as one trespass, I just jumped to verse 18, led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. You see, he says in verse 12, therefore, just as, and then there's no so that until verse 18. By the way, just so you know, that's proper hermeneutics. You say, well, what about 13 through 17? It's a big old comma, okay? And what he's doing in that parentheses or comma is he is laying out the proofs that what he said in verse 12 is true. The sinfulness coming into the world through Adam and death through that sin spread to all men 
and because all sinned. And then 13 through 17 is him giving two reasons that's true. Two proofs, two evidences of the truth of that. We should never misuse the structure of the text. And so Paul is saying this in verse 12, and then he's saying this in verse 18. He's continuing what he said. Now, that doesn't mean 13 through 17 is of no use. It's just of use of explaining the one verse, why that's true. And now he starts laying out the contrast of what he said in verse 12. And that's what we're going to be focusing on. That's what we're looking at. It's beautiful, folks. It's beautiful. I want you to know that. And so uh, we see that uh, verse 18 is this continuation of, of verse 12. Paul's saying that Adam is representative of all mankind. He is our, uh, as it's uh, spoken in some circles, our federal head. He is a type of the one who is to come. And so as we look and we understand that Adam represents all of us, we see that through him sin came in the world and death came through sin because everybody sinned when Adam sinned. We all sinned when Adam sinned. You say, so what you're saying is that Adam represents me. And so when Adam sinned, his sin was imputed to me. Yeah, well, it's not fair. I mean, I wasn't there. It's not fair that I have to pay for his doing. I wouldn't have done that. Right? Well, okay. Let me let you have that argument. And let me actually use your argument against you. Were you there when Christ died for you? Well, no. Well, then how can you claim forgiveness from him if you weren't there? Adam's sin put everybody into the predicament of sinfulness. Paul reiterates all the way through this text, Adam's impact on you and me and all mankind. Uh, follow with me, if you will, from verse 12. We see that Paul is just, he's, he's letting this pile up. I mean, I want you to notice the progression of Paul's argument as we go from 12 through 17. Because in 12, what he says about Adam's sin, just as sin came into the world through one man. And then in verse 12, he says, death came into the world through sin, which came into the world through one man. Death spread to all men. And even between Adam and Moses, there was death. So sin was present. Many died through one man's transpass, 
trespass, verse 15. The judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. That's verse 16. And in verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. I mean, all of these things from 12 all the way through 17, he's laying out, Adam, 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 and it's on you. That's what he's laying out there. Notice the progression of Paul's argument. Adam's sin resulted in sin in the world, death in the world, judgment in the world, condemnation in the world, the reign of death in the world, and ultimately the condemnation of us all. That's the progression. You see it just rolling on? It's like a steamroller. I mean, everybody's affected that is in its path, and everyone is in its path. Paul's focusing on, focusing us in on the one act of Adam as the problem for us all. Verse 18 says this, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, it led to condemnation for all men. There's no getting around it. I, I, don't, I don't have to sin to be a sinner. I am a sinner. And I don't sin to become a sinner. I sin because I am a sinner. That's what Adam did. He made all of us that way. No one can escape it. No one can justify themselves. He's wanting us to see that problem, that predicament that Adam put us in. I pointed out, I don't remember if it was last week or a week before last, that Adam lived like 900 years. Do y'all know how much? He got finger pointed at him. It's his fault. It's all his fault. You know what? It's my fault. I would have done no different, and I do no different. That's what Paul is letting us know. This is the predicament. We all have this. We're all in this condition by our nature. Absolutely, positively, no one deserves eternity with God on their own merit, on their own choosing. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Look what it says right after that. It's still in verse 18. So, there's the so as, by the way. So that, or so as, just as in verse 12, so as one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. 
let me clarify that the all men is not saying that all are saved because Jesus died on the cross. One, it's saying all type of men. All the way through the text, from the beginning of Romans all the way up to this point, what's Paul been saying? That salvation, the gospel of Christ, those being saved, the gospel is for both the Jew and the Greek, isn't it? It's for the slave and the free. So we're talking about all kinds of men. All kinds. It's not based on race. It's not based on nationality. It's not based on uh, uh, gender. It's not based on anything except the grace of God to all kinds of men. But it's also speaking of those who receive. Remember last week in verse 17 where it says, For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, who receive the abundance of grace, where's that come from? The free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So it's those who receive. Jesus Christ. There's another text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, I read it from a pastoral prayer this morning, but where it says in uh, verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Everybody? Is that everyone? Well, let's see what verse 23 says. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Then it is coming those who belong to Christ. That's who will be raised. There are some who do not belong to Christ. They will not be raised with him. They will spend eternity apart from the living God in glory in a place of punishment where they will pay for their own sins. And that will take eternity. Adam put us in this predicament. All of us are in it. But I want you to see that Adam's sin made us all sinners. It's one thing to be in a predicament by our nature. It's another thing to actually do the things that come natural. Verse 19, it says, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners. This is what we do. He's speaking of the nature of Adam's sin. What's the nature of Adam's sin? Notice in this text, 
from 12 on. Paul uses three words to identify the nature of Adam's sin. He uses the word transgression in verse 14. He uses the word trespass. He uses these several times in this text. And here in verse 19, he uses the word disobedience. And he's revealing something about Adam's sin. He wants to sum up for us that Adam broke God's law in about every way you could break God's law when he sinned against God. It was a transgression. That is, he crossed the line that God told him not to cross. He broke the command. God gave him an express command and Adam broke that command. It was a transgression. I have some signs beside my gate at the house. It says private property, no trespassing. Got one of those signs, we don't call, no, I don't have one of those. Not yet. But that sign says something, and it's legal. And if someone refuses to observe that sign, well, they're taking matters into their own hand as to what the consequence could be. They're stepping across a line that has been forbidden. Adam transgressed the law. How many ways do we transgress? Do not lie. Any liars in here? Do not steal. Any thieves? Aren't y'all glad I don't get you to raise your hand? Aren't you glad I leave it rhetorical? Any adulterers who lust? Any murderers? All you have to do is hate your brother. Do not murder. If you hate your brother, you transgress God's law. That's what Adam did. Next, it was a, not only a trans, transgression, is a trespass. And that Adam not only broke God's commandment, but he did positively what God explicitly and specifically negatively told him not to do. So it's not just breaking the law, it's breaking an explicit prohibition. 
You see this tree? <laughs> You're prohibited. You see this fruit? Don't do it. Don't eat it. Don't take it. But he does it. That's a trespass. Specific. Third, it's disobedience. In other words, what Adam did was willful. He willfully took the fruit and ate it. He did it willfully. Adam didn't stumble into it. Adam didn't trip somewhere near the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And as he tripped and fell on his back, and he felt pain, and his mouth flew open, and a fruit fell into his mouth, and he inadvertently bit it and chewed it and swallowed it, He did not stumble into this sin. He did it on purpose. He wasn't tricked into this sin. Eve did not seduce him into it. He had full authority not to take it. He had full authority to rip the head off the serpent. He had full authority to defend his wife. And instead, he willfully disbelieved the word of God, took it, and ate it. By the way, never blame Eve for it. So she's the one that listened to the serpent. She's the one. So did Adam. He wasn't blind. He wasn't blind to it. This disobedience was willful. He did exactly what he wanted to do. Hmm, Maybe God is holding something back. And so he took it and he ate it. He knew exactly what he was doing. And the result is that that kind of sin nature pervades all Mankind. We transgress, we trespass, we disobey, we do it on purpose, we see the truth, we hear the truth, we know specifically what God has said, and we do it. And what we typically do is blame somebody else as a result. Don't we?
It pervades all mankind. You want some more evidence? How about the headlines? Last night, Talat Khan, a 52-year-old woman in Conroe, Texas, was sitting at a picnic table in the apartments in Conroe. And a man randomly came up and stabbed her multiple times. Neighbors heard her screaming and they called 911 and she was dead by the time they arrived. Or 35-year-old Deshay Stevenson who recently died at the scene having been taken, kidnapped by Michael Smith, 39 years of age. He killed her and dumped her on the side of the road. Or shall I mention the atrocities of Hamas? No, I shall not. You've heard about them, so I'm not mentioning them. It is the worst of mankind. Or human trafficking, where teenage girls and boys, sometimes young adults, taken and forced. To live and to act as no human being should be forced to live and to act. Or abortion. Do we need more evidence that what Paul is saying is true? That when Adam sinned, it pervaded, it passed to all mankind? Can't we read it in the papers? Can't we see it on the news? Can't we see it in our own life as we engage with people on a regular basis and see the terror and the horror and the atrocities that mankind can do? You need more evidence when you get home. After we eat, by the way, we got Mexican food today, all right? You can do this here. Just go stand in front of a mirror and remember the words of C.S. Lewis, who said, There is someone I love, even though I don't approve of what he does. There is someone I accept, though some of his thoughts and actions revolt me. There's someone I forgive, though he hurts the people I love the most. That person is me. We don't have to look at the headlines or out into the world. That person is me. That person is you. That person is all of us.
And Paul's saying, that's why salvation can only be by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Because through and through, you and I are sinners. And there is no hope. No hope whatsoever for any of us. Except believing Jesus and repenting of our sin. There's no other way. So I've been going to church my whole life, man. Good on you. I won't do it. You know, my mom and dad read scripture all the time. And I've carried on that practice of reading scripture all the time and reading it to my children. You reading scripture to your children will not save you, nor will it save them. Do not hear me saying, don't read scripture. Somebody's going to go home and they're going to say, did you hear him say, don't read scripture? I guess we don't have to do that. I didn't say that. I'm just saying faithfully reading the Bible will not save you. My prayer is, is that it will convict you and that you will come to Jesus Christ, but it will not save you. Religious practice will not save you. Religious activity will not save you. Good activity will not save you. It will not save you. <laughs> so the contrast that we need to see of Adam's disobedience with Jesus' obedience. He disobeyed in every, and made everyone a sinner. He sinned in every way sin could happen. Before him was the beauty and provision of all God created and gave to Adam, and he chose to disobey. He had one thing not to do. One thing. That's why most of us say, I could have done that. I could have stayed away from that tree. No, you Y'all, all of us have FOMO. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Fear of missing out. It's the one thing that I can't have that I must have. It's the one thing that I can't have that I must have. There's not an argument that you can give me that would convince me that you'd have done better than Adam. But that's not the point. The point is, is that his disobedience brought condemnation. It brought death. Sin entered into the world through him. And with all that God had provided... 
the beauty of all creation. Adam chose sin. But look what it says. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Those who believe, those who trust, those who repent. We think of Jesus, and when we think of his obedience, we think primarily, we think only of his death, that he died. And he did. And praise God he did. But I want you to know that Paul is not just looking at Christ's obedience on the cross. He's looking at all of his obedience. He's looking at the obedience of the incarnation. He's looking at the obedience of a child growing up and never sinning. I know, parents, it blows your mind. It's the child who grows up and knows enough about the law to amaze the teachers of the law at the age of 12. It's him going in an obedience to the Lord, healing some, opening the eyes of the blind, restoring limbs that were lame, opening ears so that they may hear, Setting captives free. He walked in obedience in every way. And he was attempted in every way, just like you and me. Yet, without sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The obedience of Jesus Christ is not merely that he laid on the cross and died for our sin, but that He is the only one pure, true sacrifice, being the God-man. He obeyed in every way. It's all of His obedience. And so Paul says, why does it have to be justification by faith in Jesus Christ alone? Because there is no other, and you have nothing going for you that will cause God to let you into his kingdom. It has to be through Jesus. And so as I was looking and I was going through uh, the likes of Talat Khan, who was stabbed multiple times last night and died, I say to her murderer, come to Jesus Christ. He's your only hope. Come to Him, you murderer, and He will set you free. Come, Hamas leader. 
to the cross of Christ. Come to the one who died to forgive your sin and the atrocities that you have committed following after Adam. Come, you kidnapper, who have taken an innocent child and broken the hearts of their parents and submitted them and subjected them to horrors. Come, and Jesus will save you. Come believe in him. Come. Those who have experienced abortion firsthand. And bear the weight of sin and shame and guilt. And Jesus will embrace you and forgive you of all your sin. Come, sinner. Come, murderer. Come, adulterer. Come, thief. Come, liar. Come, alcoholic. Come, addict. Come, sex offender. Come, homosexual. Come, transgender. Come, those who covet. Come, you who are arrogant. Come. Paul say, this is why. Because all of us fall in these lists. All of us are all the things that Adam was and more. Come. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it beautiful? The hope that Jesus Christ brings. Come, you violent man, and he will bring you to peace. Come, you broken woman. And he will wash away all your sin. Come, you fearful child. And he will embrace you with his warm, beautiful security. Come. Because what Adam's disobedience brought into your life, Christ's obedience can overcome. <laughs> and I praise God that he has. You say, how so? How do I do that? Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved.
if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess, homilageo, to agree with God that you are a wretched, rotten sinner. And agree also that the Lord Jesus is the only one that can set me free. And believe that God has raised him from the dead because that's how sin has been proven to be overcome. Trust him and he will save you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. that seeks no help from us in our redemption. And Lord, I want to thank you for that truth. I pray, God, that anyone here today, having heard the gospel, would seek you, would call on you, and Father, that you would save them as they put their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ alone. We love you and are so grateful for salvation. So Lord, let our lives be lived in fruitful ways. In Jesus' name.